0: To have a nice like big group for this awesome interview and then everybody ditched out on me my wife has a headache Dan oh Dan's gotta work really late you know so un- unfortunately you're gonna have to deal with just me doing the interview but that's okay because we have an awesome guest you may have heard her one or, few to- one or two times on this podcast we love having her back so thanks to Carla Kopp for coming back hey Carla
1: I'm so excited to be back This is like one of my favorite parts of going to Kickstarter. It's good to talk to you.
0: Yeah, getting to talk to everybody about all the cool stuff you're doing. But before we get into that, I thought, let's just, let's find out what you've been playing lately besides your games. I'm sure you're just like, okay, Kickstarter's coming up, of course, I don't care about anything else, but like just making sure the spreadsheets are worked, everything is fine-tuned, make sure I've got all my channels open so everybody knows what's going on. But have you had a chance to kind of get something to the table that's not quite something you're working on?
1: Um, I did have a break this weekend, and I got Mystery of the Temples to the table. Have you heard of that? It's a deep water game.
0: You know what's funny is I've heard of deep water games, but I've never heard of this game. Tell me about it. It sounds awesome.
1: OK, so Mystery of the Temples. There's a rondelle that you're going around, so there's a circle of cards. And it's really cool because there's kind of two different rondelles. Um, you get to choose which one you want to go on um, on your turn, and you're collecting crystals. And it has this cool, like, spatial aspect of the crystals. Like, um, you want to break curses, okay? And you need uh, crystals in a certain color order. Like, you might need, like, yellow, yellow, red, blue, or something like that so you're collecting crystals and when you break curses by having like a certain line of crystals and you're at the certain temple um you'll get a power and these powers can do different stuff like if you land on a certain symbol you get a yellow crystal or a white crystal or you can trade more in or just different stuff like that so i think it's pretty cool that's
0: awesome It's funny because um, we'll kind of talk about this a little bit more when we get to talking about Dreams of Tomorrow, what you're coming on to talk about, but like, I had to look up what a rondelle is (laughs) because I was like, I "I have no clue what that means. (laughs) It's like, I know I've heard the word, but I'm like, okay, let's find out what this is. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I don't think, I've never played a game with a rondelle involved. So it's cool to kind of know that there's actually more than one out there. I'm sure there's (laughs) a bunch I've never played, but that's pretty awesome. Yeah.
1: I do think it's kind of rare like they're not like everywhere mm-hmm. but you know you have to, if you search you'll find
0: nice nice so is this a game that's you know really thinky or is it just one of those that's just kind of a casual game you know does it does it take a long time
1: uh, it's pretty casual it's there's less player interaction than I'd like but I think it plays in about 45 minutes Like, you're just casually, like, going around the Rondeau, collecting your crystals, breaking your curses, and, you know.
0: Nice. So not not a lot of interaction. It's just more of trying to get what you need to get to win the game.
1: Yeah. Like, I would say the interaction is mainly in, like, you're going after breaking certain curses. Mm. So if somebody else breaks a curse that you're working on, you have to do something else. So, like, if you're really good at, like, watching other people, which i'm not i don't watch other people at all i'm like in my own head doing my own thing um so i tend not to well if i ever do mess anyone up it's just like by pure coincidence like (laughs) oops i did the same thing you did, but whatever. Um, but there's also um, the fact that each space can only have one player. So if you know that somebody needs like a blue crystal, you can go on the blue crystal spot, and then you have to like go all the way around the rondelle to get back to blue crystal.
0: It's interesting to you know know that that kind of stuff is out there because like it's fu- it's funny when you you know like having this podcast and you're like okay you need to play certain games to kind of keep people interested and stuff like that. It's nice to be like, oh, there, this is something I've never seen before. That's kind of cool, you know? So it's nice to know that there's still stuff out there that can kind of surprise you. So it's awesome. Well, you know, that that's cool. I, I'm trying to think of something that I've played lately so I can add to this list. But I feel like all, all the games I've played are stuff I've, j- I've talked about already. So I'm like, I don't want to bore everybody with the same stuff but um, well i can
1: talk about another one if you want Ooh,
0: that would be awesome
1: so i didn't actually play this i've played it before um but this one i was watching um my family play because um so i got my wisdom teeth out i was super drugged and i was like i can't play games but i can (laughs) watch them and um this one's a pretty cool one it's nyctophobia oh nyctophobia
0: yeah everybody's everybody's taking that game
1: yeah, so Nictophobia, it's this game where it's a one versus many where the person that is the one that is going against everyone else, they get to see the board and see what's going on. And then everyone else is blind. Like, they have these little glasses and they can't see what's going on. So they have to, like, traverse through the forest. Um, there's two or three versions of the game. I know there's, um, the one I played, uh, was that there was, like, a mad axe murderer that was going after you and trying to kill off your party. And the one that I actually own is a vampire version. So slightly different. Um, but yeah, you want to get all your party to the car safe and alive. Basically.
0: So so how do you so if you're if you're blind trying to get out of the forest and get to your car safely, then how do you do that if you have the blinders? Is it is it the vocal cues? What what do you do to do to do the movement then?
1: So, um, you know where you are. You are a certain player, and you can like feel around where you are. So you can feel like, oh, are you at the edge? Are there trees around you, etc. And you have to do that in combination with talking to others um, to try to like effectively communicate, which is actually really hard.
0: <laughs> I'm uh. sure.
1: Because, like, well, one, people are just bad at talking to each other, like, especially (laughs) when they can't see, which makes it, like, even more fun, because, like, like, the first time you play, you're going to do bad. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But, like, you can train and, like, get better and get better at, like, talking to others. Um, But, yeah, so it's really cool because, um, well, you want to talk to each other unless the vampire or the axe murderer is near you. Like, you don't want to gain their attention. So you can hide... But if you hide, you can't talk. If you talk, you now become unhidden. So, yeah, you really have to, like, know. Like, and you might be, like, talking to somebody that you're playing with and you might notice, like, oh, yeah, they're not saying anything. Maybe the vampire is really close to them. So now I know where the vampire is. Or maybe you want to, like, help them so you, like, gather a rock and throw it and make a noise somewhere, and you really hope that you can throw the rock far so that the vampire doesn't know where you are, like, because it, it goes after the sound. Um, because you might just throw a rock right into a tree, and then then the vampire knows where you are, yeah. which would be bad, so you have to, like, yeah. get going and stuff. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That would be me. That would be, like, I try to go throw a rock, I slip, I fall, he hears me. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, that, it's funny because, you know, I've heard about this game and how, you know, well received it is, but I didn't know like the real, you know, the real, uh, like gameplay of it. That sounds awesome. Like literally as you're describing it to me, I'm getting like anxiety. Like I'm like, I'm like, there's no way I would survive. Like in that, like real, that real life kind of thing, it would be like oh, I need to be quiet, you know, and I'm like, I want to scream, but I can't, you know, Like, kind of it's just like, you know, if an axe murderer or vampire is coming after you, it's like, of course, of course, you want to be quiet. But the whole time you're like screaming in your head, you're like, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, so. like, that's exactly it. It's like, this game, I would say is like more of an experience. Like, mm-hmm. this is the first game like that's, like, a really horror game and that, like, you are scared. It it definitely, like, makes you emotional, like, because you know that, oh, yeah, the vampire is going to come get you and they're close and you have to escape and you can't make the wrong move. Like, you can't go and go into a dead end or anything. Like, Like, you feel emotions, which is really cool. Like, it's completely different than, like, any other game I've played. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds amazing. Okay, so... Let's get back. let's get down to brass tacks. Something I've never said in my <laughs> whole life. Um, let's talk about uh, dreams of tomorrow. Uh, you've got it coming out on Kickstarter uh, October fifteenth, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, that yes. is for sure the right date.
0: Awesome. This is another game where you're not the designer. You actually have Chaos Storm Games design this game for you. So how did you how did you run into them, or how were you able to come in contact with them to uh, come up or to talk about uh, Uh, producing this game for them or publishing it for them
1: so we met on twitter originally and then we went we were both going to atlanta game fest in atlanta georgia and that's when i got to try out like the first version of the game which was actually a dice game and i gave some feedback like about how i didn't like the dice and like i got to know um so One member of Chaos Storm Games um, is Falcon, or Philip Perry, if you go by his, like, real name and not, like, code name or whatever. Yeah, I would Um, go with
0: Falcon every time.
1: Yeah, like, that's what I do. And, like, in my mind, it took me, like, so long for me to, like, understand, like, oh, yeah, his name is Philip. Okay, (laughs) like, I had to reprogram my brain. So, after that, um, I was hosting a Unpub in my town, which is Huntsville, Alabama, and I was like, hey, you should come, and come to my Unpub and show off your game and stuff. And he was actually staying at my house um, because I have a spare room and he wanted to make it uh, cheap and stuff. And then he showed me like his updates to the game where um, instead of the dice, there was this rondelle in there and it was a shifting rondelle and I loved it. So um, I signed it like right after that. Like, that's how much I liked it. I, I played it once with the Rondell, and I was like, whoa, this is way different. Because I've played a couple of Rondell games, but I've never played any Rondell game where, like, you can move the Rondell around. Just
0: for the people out there like me, when I first heard about, like, Rondell is like, what the heck does that mean? Do you, can you just <laughs> describe to everybody that maybe doesn't know what that means?
1: So it's typically a circle where you go a certain number of spaces around. Like um, Usually it's like you get to choose between one and three spaces, and you the space you land on, you take an action whatever action it corresponds with that space and you just keep going around the Rondo taking actions on your turn and everyone else maybe they have their own personal Rondo maybe it's a shared Rondo but yeah you just you take an action based on where you land
0: so it seems like it the, this game actually has a very unique uh, theme to it why don't you tell us about what the theme is about because I, I you know I feel like this is something that it is it, not really that It's not really that much of a theme that I see in a lot of games. There's maybe one or two out there, but there's not enough. So why don't you kind of tell us about the theme of it?
1: So in Dreams of Tomorrow, each of the players is a dream engineer, and the future isn't exactly what we all hoped for, okay? So we want to fix the problem by creating a really memorable dream sequence to send into the past so that the people remember it and change things so that the future changes and becomes a better place.
0: That sounds like something I bet you a lot of people probably want to do right now, but uh, we'll yeah, talk about, that's probably something that's, <laughs> that's something we'll leave for my my serious podcast, which will never happen. You know, when you're using the dreams and the nightmare sequences and stuff like that, like you know, how do those how do both of those kind of balance each other out? How do those Uh, kind of go against each other throughout the game.
1: So in the game uh, you have like this shared um, consciousness where all the players are on this rondo and when you stop at certain spots you can give resources to other people so you want to like consider that when you're going and you're gathering resources. Um, Do you want to do that or do you want to try to go to spots where you don't give resources to others? And those spots are the ability spots To actually use the ability spots, you need to have a dream either in your dream catcher or on your dream sequence. So you go about in the game, um, you have to gather dreams from the dreamscape, you put them in your dream catcher, and then you have the abilities. But the dreams in your dream catcher, they don't count for anything, yet. You have to weave the dreams into a dream sequence, and then they count for points but one thing about doing that is when you weave your dreams you put the cards together and you cover up the abilities so you can only see the last ability on your dream sequence so you have to kind of weigh the fact like oh yeah you do want points but you also want to use these cool abilities to change how um, the shared consciousness is like if you get rid of your ability to move around the shared consciousness you might not be able to go to the space That you want to go to so maybe you want to weave that dream last
0: so where does the terrible night come into play then
1: okay so the terrible night is full of nightmares so i don't know if you know about my love for horses but i finally had a reason to use horse (laughs) meeples with the nightmare
0: oh my gosh (laughs) that's awesome
1: Yeah, I love it. I finally, like, got to put, like, in a really stupid pun into some game that I I developed. So, (laughs) so this nightmare, it goes around and it goes in between people's turns, um, and it just wrecks things, basically. Um, so in my view, like, a nightmare, when I'm having a nightmare, like, I don't get to do the things that I want to do. Like, things change. Like, that, that typical nightmare dream sequence you see in movies where people are going and there's this hallway with doors and they can, like, never get to where they want to go. I tried to make that happen in the nightmare mode where um, the nightmare, it goes around and it just messes up the um, the shared consciousness, like that rondelle, and it, may, it moves things, maybe it moves things out, like out of your range and you can't go to them anymore or it just puts it a lot farther away so you have to pay more resources it just messes with things so it's actually not for everyone i've seen people that play and they just get really really mad at the nightmare um (laughs) so it's like an advanced mode for those people like well like i like playing with it because like i'm like oh yeah i know what i'm doing and then the nightmare goes and i'm like oh I guess I have to change what I'm doing now because the nightmare just took that option away.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is a, it's funny because when I was looking it up, I was, you know, I was kind of wondering. I was like, "Okay, so it's you've got it for, you know, 8 and up." So I'm like, "Okay, you know, is it something that kids are going to want to play?" You know, like I know with my son, he he's usually pretty advance when it comes to games so a lot of games even if it says like 14 and up or whatever he can pretty much grasp it but uh you know i was wondering like this might be a uh, might be a fun game for him because lately he's been having a lot of bad nightmares so it'd be kind of cool to see how he reacts to this and be like okay you know i don't like these nightmares or whatever i'm gonna try to you know do my best to like you know get around them or stuff and stuff like that and maybe it'll be something that it works you know it works itself out you know is, is it one of those games that, you know, it's weird to say this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, is it one of those that people can kind of pick up and play right away? Or is it something where, you know, maybe it takes a few plays to kind of get the strategy? What do you think about
1: that? So I think it's a game where you can pick it up and play it and understand what's like the general feel for it. <laughs> but generally, it takes you like, like, somebody plays, and then they the game ends, and they're like, oh, OK. I understand, like, how to use the abilities now. Like, it takes them, like, a full game. Like, like they do well, but they don't, like, do, like, super well. Like, mm-hmm. um, you just have to, like, figure out, like, all the different combos and stuff. And, like, each game, different things come up. Like, you might not see a certain ability at all during a game, so, like, maybe the next game you see it, and you're like, oh that one would work really well with this other one. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's, like, it's an... I tried to make it an entry-level thing, so, like, even, like, you know, I play with my uh, in-laws and they can actually play, Um, but they're not, like, they're not, like, as good as me, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think when it comes to games, like, you know, some games, you know, people are just really good at sinking their teeth into, and I think, you know probably with us too like we've you know we've you know kind of dug into you know a bunch of different types of games you know so it's it may be easier for us to get into you know these games and where other people might not be but i mean again it's just you know just like any game it, it just takes you know you just need to have a couple of plays to kind of understand because you know one time you'll play it one way and then you'll just take a few times and be like okay well i played it this way now i'm gonna see if i can play it this way to see you know, how that kind of shapes out and stuff like that, you know, which is what what my hope is. I feel like that's, that's kind of my plan when it comes to a lot of games now. It's like I don't want to just have the same strategy for every game. I'd like to try out multiple strategies, which is... It's weird because, you know, just saying it out loud, it's like, obviously, duh. You know, you'd want to (laughs) kind of do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how you're going to play every game.
1: Mm -hmm. And Dreams of Tomorrow is pretty cool in that, like, a strategy that's really good at two players is actually not a strategy that's great at six players.
0: Nice. I like that. I like that because I feel like there's a lot of games out there that are like, hey, this game is, you know, five players, but you could play two. And it's, it's, like, it's almost, like, offering, like, hey, you could if you want. It's not going to be great, but you could, <laughs> you know? So, I, I yeah. like that you said that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, I've had too many games that make me mad because they say that they're, like, five and six players. And it's, like, no. You didn't yeah. play this as six players, and I know <laughs> it. I know you didn't do this like. But, uh, yeah. Like, I try to make the experience, like like, I like when the experience is different, but, like, still good, obviously. Like. Like, it gives you a reason, like, you want to be able to, like, play it at two, but also play it at more players, because it is different. And then there's also a bit of replayability, in the fact, um, so I made a solo version of the game where you can play against a robot player, but you can also just add the robot player in for the multiplayer. Nice. You know, if you want to add in, like, an extra, like, player that will just mess with you if you're like the kind of person that plays two player games and you don't really want to like mess with the other person well the robot will mess with you anyway
0: (laughs) nice because robots have no soul and they are evil um (laughs) so (laughs) so i when i was going through the art i was like really impressed with the art like i've said this every time i talk to somebody about their games it's like Art is like the big thing for me. Every time I see something and it it pulls me in, I'm like, oh, okay, what is that? That's cool. Um, I actually recognized like how this art was set up. I'm like, this looks very familiar, like I know who this is, you know? And I come to find out that uh now I'm not gonna say his name right, but uh, is it James Messino?
1: Uh, I don't know. I always say James Masno. I've nice. actually never talked to him in person. I just do it over text. So either of us could be correct.
0: That's right. I forgot that we actually talked to Brandon about his game, War Company, and that James actually did the art for that. And I was like, oh, no wonder. You No know, wonder it looks very familiar, <laughs> you know? And then I go on his site and I'm like, wow. I just like, I wish I was as artistic as some people. And just looking at all of his art, I'm like... wow how how does he even do it it's just so crazy amazing
1: yeah like i've been waiting well like because i um talked with brandon like when he was doing warco and that was around the same time i was doing super hack override i think so that was like two years ago and like at the time like just seeing the art in warco i was like i want to have james masno do a game for me but it has to be like the right game because he's like super sci-fi and I was, like, so happy when, um, so, uh, Dreams of Tomorrow wasn't always a dream game. It was a totem pole game, but then when I w- w- decided to go the, the sci-fi dreamy route instead, I was like, James Masno, he's perfect. Like, nice. he j- he's just so good at stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because I don't know what exactly the, ga- the game is, but there's a video game out there that's an old Nintendo game and I can't remember what it's called oh it's like one word but anyway just when I see that art it some of his art I, it makes me think of that video game and it just like takes gives me some like, nostalgia and I was like wow that just that just seems like just super awesome and like it yeah it, like it, it just has that almost kind of an an old school new school balance of sci-fi together it just looks amazing is there anything else that you can think of that you want to talk about about it that you really want to focus on.
1: So Calvin Wong is writing stories about it. So there's some fiction. Nice. I don't know. You're,
0: it seems like you're really you're really into getting like lore into your games because you did that with Stellar Leap, and now you're doing that with Dreams of Tomorrow. Yeah. That's awesome. So how did that come up then?
1: Um. So. Calvin um, I was looking for an editor and he uh, I had worked with him on fire in the library and I don't know if I brought it up with him or he brought it up that he did stories. Oh I think he um, he did flavor text. He offered flavor text when I was talking to him about editing and I was like flavor text is awesome because <laughs> like I don't do flavor okay I just that's not me like I could try to like force the flavor to happen but like I don't know I did technical writing for a while for the government and like once you do like technical government writing like that kills it like you can (laughs) never do anything any good writing ever again um so I worked with him on firing the library to create a couple stories and then I was like you know what, Calvin could write some great stuff just based on James's art, so I just sent over, like, a bunch of James's art to Calvin, and he made all these really cool stories, like, he made this story about the robot, and how the robot and um, the dream engineer interact, and just his wording and stuff, like, creating this this world that was, like, it was different than what I thought it would be. Like, I had my own picture in the head of, like, people, like, Uh, hooked up into like little pods or something but like calvin's world was like so much bigger and like more vibrant and more diverse and it was just really cool so i'm really excited about all the things he's written so far for it um and i'm really hoping that maybe the board game community will be really into like board game fiction so then i can keep paying calvin to write more things
0: (laughs) nice So are you going to include it in the instructions or is it going to be an add-on? How's that going to work out then?
1: So right now we have one story that's in the rules um, and that'll be like at the very end of the rules. Um, The other stories will be at least on my website. Um, I haven't released the other stories yet um, but if we hit different stretch goals like... It would be really cool to have more um stories in the rules or even to have like an art book of like james's art and interspaced with like calvin's stories like to make an actual like book of it so but i think we'd have to do really well for that to happen <laughs> but maybe like in the future like if i keep doing this whole like story thing because we have two stories written for fire in the library if we get like like four or five for fire maybe four or five for each game and then like you can get like a big art book of like here's all the art for like a bunch of weird draft games and a bunch of stories maybe that would be worth it
0: yeah that'd be cool that'd be awesome So what are we looking at as far as the price of the game and then for shipping for U.S. and and then internationally if if you're offering it?
1: So I think at this point, well, we haven't made like final decisions on like what the breakdown will be, but it'll probably be like a total of $30, whether it's like 24 plus 6 for U.S. or just a plain 30, you know, with free shipping. So around that
0: amount. Sounds good. And are you looking at outside the U.S. too, or are you looking just strictly U.S.?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I do outside the U.S. too. It's okay. usually, like, another 5 or $10, depending okay. on the country. Because, gotcha. like, whoa, like, international shipping is crazy. Like, it is each country is different, each one. <laughs> and there's, like, hundreds, and it's, you know, like, uh, European is the weirdest with the VAT taxes and stuff, but, like... You know, just all these different hubs and like trying to make sure that your game actually gets through. Like, there's certain countries where it's really hard to ship to, and it's like, mm-hmm. but why? Why does this have to be so hard? I just yeah. want to ship it.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, I, I remember there was one point I wanted to I wanted to ship a game to Flippy, one of the friends, one of our friends and because um, he he had a, we had had give, had a giveaway and he's like he's like don't even bother he's like send it to somebody else he lives in mexico he's like i may never see it <laughs> i'm like oh i'm, I'm like i just want to deli- i want to drive down and deliver to you personally i can't because it would cost me a million dollars <laughs> but i would still would love to
1: yeah i've heard like if you know somebody in mexico like maybe one of the shipping companies or something and you ship there and then they ship it then it'll actually go there but i haven't done enough research into it i should do yeah. more
0: that's crazy. So you've been doing this for a bit now. So what what do you find is is the hardest thing to deal with when you're dealing with your Kickstarter, finalizing your Kickstarter stuff? You know, is it is it all the prep time? Is it the shipping? Is there some kind of hidden thing that you don't you know, that we haven't talked about?
1: Uh, I think like the hardest part of doing Kickstarter is just all the interfacing with other people, um, mm. because like I don't control other people or their lives or what happens to them. So you have to do all this, like, like I can't do it alone. Like, I wish that were true, but, like, you know, this industry, like, you can't do it alone. Even if no. you're, like, a good artist and you can graphic design and you can develop, you still need to, like, playtest and get other reviewers to look at it and do interviews and stuff like that. So it's, like, getting everything to line up perfectly. Um, like, because things happen. Like, uh, last year with Stellar Leap... Um, I didn't realize that September was hurricane season, and a bunch of people, <laughs> like uh, I, I believe two or three reviewers, got caught in the hurricane. And it's like, no, but I wanted that how to play video. But I understand that you don't have electricity, so you know I'm not gonna be, like I'll just be sad in the corner. I won't like blame you or anything, cause like you know you can't like, you know yes. things happen. That's yeah, out of your hands. You know yeah. whatever. <laughs> Um, but, like, things like art and stuff, like, I'm really trying on, like, um, my, my latest games to really get the art started soon because, like, you don't know what will happen. Like, those artists, maybe they hit, like, an artist block or something happens in their family or they have to move or, you know whatever could happen or like um i'm also really really picky on things so i'll be like okay i really like this but i also want this to be more red and i also want it to be moved like 10 pixels to the left and like i'll say things like that and like well i try to be really upfront that i'm very picky so that they like charge me appropriately (laughs) they know what they're getting into (laughs) yeah so um yeah but it's just all these things in this industry and like also a lot of us are doing it like we also have a day job like we have to fit everything around that and the day job takes priority obviously so like you can't get mad like like james um i really wanted him to do the box and like he was almost done with the box but then he had to go on a work trip and it's like oh yeah yeah you have to go on the work trip so that you can like pay for your food and you know your housings (laughs) and stuff so that's fine it's we'll get it done after um But, yeah, all the different people and, like, managing it and, like, trying to, like, figure out, like, okay, did I put, like, enough of a buffer in? I never put enough of a buffer, but, um, I don't know. You live and you learn and you start earlier every time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It seems like that's, that's become a big thing with, like, just about anything. You know, it's like the 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 sooner you start on anything you're working on is always the better because again yeah just like you said life just can just get in the way you know so you have to be very careful with that.
1: Mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah because because uh, people get married have babies you know weather I know. that's right all the things
0: uh, yep and you've you've pretty much hit them, hit the nail on the head of the three major things marriage babies and weather. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, those are the things that I've run into. It's like, well, okay. (laughs) I can't argue with any of that. No,
0: you really can't. It's really, it's just life. Just life. Awesome. Well, thank you, Carl. Carl. God, why can't I talk today? Thank you, (laughs) Carl, for coming on. It was awesome to see you again and talk about another awesome game. I'm sure it's going to be another, God, sorry. I've just got done being sick. I'm sure it's going to be another awesome, successful game. And we're excited about it when it comes out. So make sure you guys get on Kickstarter starting October fifteenth. Look at all the awesome things and make sure that you fund this, help fund this game. Um, and thank you again, Carla, for coming on and talking.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I had such a great time. Yeah,
0: you bet. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Kurt, and this was the MFG Cast.
1: Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Legends, one die at a time.